0: Why take a vacation when you can beer-cation instead? Explore the world one pint at a time and join pub culture beer-cations for one of our upcoming group tours, like Going Dutch, Beer in the Netherlands, with award-winning Dutch beer and travel writer Tim Skelton. As the author of Beer in the Netherlands and Around Amsterdam in 80 Beers, join Tim April 29th through May 11th, 2023 for 11 beery nights as he explores the sights, history, culture, and beer of this often-overlooked beer-cation destination. Visit PubCultureBeerCations.com for more information. All About Beer is back, and we're asking for your support to help provide the independent beer media this rich and colorful industry deserves. Visit our website, AllAboutBeer.com, where we're frequently posting new content. And please consider throwing us a few bucks at Patreon.com allaboutbeer We have low-cost memberships for individuals and small and large companies alike. Every dollar goes to help produce new articles and podcasts. I visited the Tampa-St. Pete region at least once a year for most of my life. It's where my family vacationed during spring breaks, and it's where my folks retired. So as I grew up and started getting interested in craft beer, I naturally used my trips to Florida to explore the local Tampa Bay beer scene. I'd sneak away to check out the local bars and liquor stores in search of something interesting. And in the early days, it was pretty bleak. I'd be excited to find Yingling, or Michelob Amberbock in the local Publix or some crusty, you know, dusty craft beer bottles in some seedy convenience store. It just was, it was a thing that it always was very difficult to try to find something that was really good. And then I was excited when I found Eber City Brewing Company, you know, which is one of the early craft brewers in the area. But progress was slow until it wasn't. Tampa Bay is now one of the country's most exciting beer scenes, representing an eclectic array of producers of everything from classic wheat beers and easy drinking IPAs to monster barrel-aged stouts. So I'm excited this week to sit down with two gentlemen who possess an impressive trove of information and insights into the Tampa Bay beer scene. Sean Norquist is the executive director of the Florida Brewers Guild, a role he has had since 2017. He is responsible for growing membership, coordinating events, including the excellent annual conference that I attended a few years back, as well as representing breweries and their interests before the state legislature in Tallahassee. Before taking on that role, he was a beer writer. He wrote for Creative Loafing and other publications, and he also helped run Tampa Bay Beer Week. Our other guest, Mark DeNote, is a freelance beer writer and communicator who runs Florida Beer News, a site dedicated to the state's emerging craft breweries, thriving breweries, and the craft beer history of Florida. As an author and historian, Mark has written two books about Florida craft beer, The Great Florida Craft Beer Guide and Tampa Bay Beer, A Heady History. Welcome to both of you.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Andy.
0: Now, before we get into kind of the modern era of Tampa Bay's craft beer scene, I want to take a quick step back uh, and appreciate sort of how we got to this place in time. And I think this this question is kind of lined up neatly for Mark as the author of a history of brewing in the region. Can you walk us through the story of how beer and brewing developed in Tampa Bay?
1: Sure. So the, the first brewery actually goes back to traces back pretty much as far uh, almost as back as far as Tampa goes. So the first brewery was developed by, uh, Vicente Martinez Ibor, who uh, owns the the major one of the major cigar factories. Actually, Ibor City, Mister Ibor City, is where the name came from. And he, people would come to work in the cigar factories from, and they would the the guys would come and move, and they might make enough money to move their families, but by and large, they would live in company housing around Ebor City, and they would sit there with nothing to do. And so Mr. Ebor had the vision to build a brewery to, so that these guys had some place to go, some place to socialize, because the culture's of the region were such that they would drink at home. And so these guys would have a place to go, a place to drink, and, and beer that would be made by the Ebor company. And so Mr. Ebor breaks ground on this monumental brewery that still stands today, only it's not a brewery anymore. Um, and the guys would come and, and they would drink, and it, it broke ground in 1897, or uh, sorry, 1896, shortly after Mr. Ebor died. So he didn't live to see it. Come to fruition. But uh, the brewery opened shortly after in uh, February of 1890, I believe it's 1897, and they had a massive party, and that was the largest brewery in the region. Uh, and, and really, the city ended around the brewery. And so the brewery was providing, I mean, you see original paintings and you're talking about sand sidewalks and the swamp right around there. I mean, that's how far back Florida, Florida in general, Tampa specifically goes and craft beer. Um, they were making loggers before electricity. They're making loggers before indoor plumbing um, and loggers needing that special conditioning. I mean, the brewery spared no expense. They had all kinds of vacuum refrigeration in order to Make loggers in the heat of Florida, and so the that's when it started. We had a post World War II boom. Um, we had uh, the d- great die off in the '60s, where Big Beer came and bought everybody and started a brewery in Tampa, and Bush Boulevard, still named for them. Um, then we had a craft resurgence around the late '90s, and we're still kind of we're right still riding kind of the height of that wave right now.
0: And now, Sean, I know you have watched the Florida craft beer scene, you know, develop slowly and then not so slowly. I know you're also not from the region. Originally, you're from L.A. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. So as somebody who who sort of came to Florida, you know, you know, as an adult and someone who is, has seen the transit, you know, the transition of California craft beer, especially Southern California craft beer scene. Uh, what was your response when you when you, you know, visited you know, when you came to Florida and, and saw its craft beer
2: scene? Um, so I arrived in uh in St. Pete in 1994. Um, and there wasn't anything here. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I actually had been living in Northern California at the time. Uh, and I was already, I mean, I was only 23, but I was, you know, I'm giving away my age here, but um, but I uh, you know, I was I was drinking Sierra Nevada and I was drinking Mendocino and I was drinking Rogue and I, you know, all these great things, and I showed up in Florida and none of that was available uh in fact you really had to look hard to find anything um at all that was uh and most of the good stuff you could find was uh was import um Mm -hmm. but even that was was few and far between because of our bottle size laws uh and uh so you could find the occasional thing there were a, a handful of places around where you could get some good stuff on draft um but really, I mean it was it was slim pickets. Uh so then you know, fast forward um you know, mid-90s, we started to see uh, you know, with Dunedin and with Tempe Brewing Company. Um and uh there was a place uh also so in Ebor, which is where Tempe Brewing Company, the original one was and also is now in, in a different spot. Um uh, but there was a great place there called the Oak Barrel Tavern. Uh and they had a really good selection of um, mostly uh, German, uh, Austro- other, other Euro- European uh, good beers. And that would be the place to go and drink leaders and all that kind of stuff. Um, when I got into writing, uh, that was probably, I mean, I've been writing my whole life, but writing about beer, um, you know, I was, uh, it was probably the 2008, 2009. Um, and I was really having to write about the time that Cigar City opened, uh, you know, I, and I was really having to like do a lot of work to find, uh, the things to, yeah. um, to write about that were, that were about local stuff. Um, but boy, did that just take off <laughs> it was Just like yeah. you know, one thing after another, after another. And it was like, I, I can't even keep up now. Now, it was definitely a
0: very late blooming scene. And it's one that, you know, for, sure. for a whole variety of reasons that we can talk about here from Anheuser-Busch to the distribution laws to the bottle laws, all these different things influenced. And just with, you know, folks coming up from, you know, snowbirds coming in and whatever it might be, it just took forever to develop. But then, as you said, yeah, in the last 15 years, it has just exploded. Um, but before we get into that, let's just take a, a quick step back and I'll have Mark talk on this one. At the beginning. You know, we're talking when we talk about Tampa Bay. And we are, you know, we're sort of generalizing. We're talking about two distinct cities in, in Tampa and St. Petersburg. Sort of on a non-beer level, can you sort of talk just a little bit about what are the, you know, what are the identities of those two cities? And are they distinct or do they just wash together?
1: <laughs> yes and no. Yeah. Um, and, and how much time you have and, and what sports teams do we want to bring up? Sure, <laughs> um, sure. You, gotta, you can't really... One of the greatest uh, illustrations of the division of the region of the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays built a stadium in St. Petersburg thinking, well, everyone in Tampa Bay will come here because it's just a bridge away. And they didn't realize that that bridge crossing Tampa Bay was the Grand Canyon yeah. um, and how they are going to the playoffs and every other team in Major League Baseball has record attendance and they can't bring people in when they're going to the postseason. Yeah. And so that really kind of speaks to me on the level of, the separation between Tampa and St. Pete, I live a little bit, I live North of Tampa and I'll tell you, I get down to Tampa all the time. St. Pete, it's, it's a lot rarer that I can get to St. Pete. So I have to kind of pack those trips in because St. Pete is ha- does have a, a great beer scene and mm-hmm. lots of little breweries that are developing. But um, Tampa really is built around um, the old, Airf- the MacDill Air Force Base originally that kind of built, they built from the South up to the North. Um, and there are really five, uh, five or six counties that call themselves Tampa Bay. So when you're talking Tampa Bay, you're talking about Tampa, you're talking about St. Petersburg, but you're also talking Cle- uh, Clearwater, Tarpon Springs moving north, um, and so I think the Tampa Bay uh, Beer Week just put out their annual passport uh, that I got in the mail, and there are eighty-one breweries um, and it spread through. I think there are six or seven counties actually in that passport to call that that call Tampa Bay home and identify as being in Tampa Bay. Um, St. Pete, Clearwater, more tourist-driven, more beaches, more mm-hmm. right on the Gulf, more boating, more outdoor lifestyle, more arts community. Um, Tampa, more I don't want to say industrial, but definitely more um, of your city life, city mentality with traffic and crowds and uh, tourism centered around the bucks and and a Gasparilla Pirate Festival Mm -hmm. and um, lots more of more traditional tourism where St. Pete is mostly outdoor beach driven, um, Clearwater. And Sean, you know, correct me if I'm wrong or throw in there, because I know you live in Pinellas, you live in St. Pete.
2: Right. Yeah, I'm just... You know, also then, you know, sort of looking to the south, you also really kind of have to include, um, you know, Manatee County, uh, mm-hmm. which is where Bradenton is. Um, if you know, depending on your definition of Tempe, you you could be all the way down into Sarasota. Yeah, you could be all the way up into Pasco. So it really, um, you know, it, it, and there's so much going on, and because of the nature being a coastal area, uh, growth. You know, growth pushes outwards and upwards. (laughs) So, um, and then in Pinellas County, which is a peninsula, uh, the only only place to go is up. Uh, And so, when you look at the downtown St. Pete area, and they're building high rises um, left and right, and you know, leaving a lot of the people who have been here a long time wondering who who can afford these things. Yeah. There's there's nobody down here making that kind of money to you know to. um, But yeah, but I think there's definitely there's definitely distinct identities, especially if you ask somebody where they're from uh, somebody who lives in St. Pete is very unlikely to ever say that they're from Tampa. Yeah. Um, And, and vice versa. Uh, And yeah, you know, to to drive to Tampa is from where I live 15 minutes tops really. Yeah. But if somebody says, Oh, it's over in Tampa, it's like, Oh, all the way (laughs) over there. (laughs) You know, and, and realistically, it it would take me longer to drive to Dunedin, which Mm -hmm. is in Northern Pinellas County, but you know, I, I'm more likely to agree to go somebody something in in Dunedin than I am in Tampa. Just there's that mental sure. thing about going across yeah. the bridge. Well, let's
0: let's talk about these two cities and their beer identities. And it does seem that we, you know, by by happenstance here, have gotten good representatives from each of the two scenes. Hopefully, things will not get too bloody in the next uh, 30 <laughs> minutes or so. But I, I appreciate you you know, the home, the hometown spirit. No promises here, but uh, yeah, we'll start with Mark. How do you characterize? How would you characterize the Tampa beer scene in particular?
1: So the Tampa beer scene is one. One of my favorite things about Tampa is that it's it's definitely matured matured as a beer scene. Tampa Tampa Bay I always refer to as the beating heart of craft beer in Florida, um, and that's helpful to lump St. Pete in there. But Tampa Bay, it, you know, the the Tampa the Tampa proper beer scene really. Cigar city is the name that everybody knows is the one that brought, um, you know, renowned to Tampa Bay and Tampa proper winning medals at great American beer festival, um, and world beer cup and all of the, all of the festivals of renown, uh, cigar city is what gets a lot of people here. Um, and then angry chair when uh, we're known, we have kind of the stout side, mm-hmm. uh, lockdown with stouts and IPAs where St. Pete is definitely more experimental and more, some has more mixed culture options and has some more, um, Kind of esoteric beer styles, but the, the 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 city of Tampa houses some of the the larger breweries in the area um, and some of the more well-renowned breweries in uh, in beer as we go. Like I said, Cigar City, coppertail Tail, um, Magnanimous Brewing is growing in size um, and and the beers that they offer uh, and just just a plethora of them. And I don't want to sit here and laundry list, but it's really Tampa's really kind of established, whereas St. Pete and the Pinellas side I look at as, as growing, and there are a lot of There seem to be a lot more emerging breweries because if you are, obviously if you're going to open a small brewery, you don't want to come to where all the big dogs are necessarily and compete with them. And so uh, the Pinellas, the St. Pete side seems to have a little bit more of an emerging beer scene with younger, smaller breweries, much more so than, than the Tampa side does, I would say.
0: Sean, what's your take on the, on
2: on Uh, St. Pete? Yeah, I'd say that's right. I think, um, you know, just in the, um, the downtown St. Pete area, um, you know, there's, 12 breweries within a couple miles of each other and they are as different from each other. Uh, as you can imagine, you know, we've got, you know, from the, you know, so the lobby, I mean, the largest brewery um, in, in St. Pete proper is three daughters. Um, and then, but just a couple, you know, blocks away, you have one of the smallest, uh, which is if I'd rude the world. <laughs> um, and, you know, from making, you know, a a Beach Blondale, which is about as uh, mainstream a beer as you can possibly make, to a guy making a, a Crunchberry Sour, um, you know, you know, one off, uh, you know, literally a block away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think really you've you've got the full spectrum of stuff, uh, just even in the downtown St. Pete area, let alone all of Pinellas. And, and I think you really, uh, I think Mark's Mark's got a uh, a good I uh, did yeah, that, that. I mean, that's there's a lot more experimental and emerging and and that kind of thing. Um, I don't if anybody has hit the 10 year mark yet in St. In St. Pete, I'm trying to remember when when Green Bench's anniversary is. Um, if they haven't hit it yet, they're close. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly what year they open. Um, and that's uh, I mean, you know, the only you know really sort of old school. Still in Pinellas County is Dunedin Brewing, and that's up in, of course, in Dunedin. It's really kind of remarkable how young the
0: both of the beer scenes are. Uh, but especially in, in St. Pete, you know, especially for the names that they, you know, they've done so much in just a decade, basically, is my is my mm-hmm. point. Uh, they've built these huge names and, and really put themselves on on the beer map and in the conversation in just an incredibly short period of time. So I'm excited to start talking about, you know, some of these places. Let's start kind of doing a bit of a chronological order before we get into more detail about individual spots. Um Let's talk about some of the you know early defining players here in 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 Tampa Bay craft beer and on you know, this is largely talking maybe on the Tampa side, but also with Dunedin. I know that you know when I would come to visit, you know, it'd be Tampa Bay Brewing Company in Dunedin, and then eventually it was you know with Cigar City. Um, I actually attended the Cigar City launch event at at the Oldsmar Tap House uh, way back in the day. Wow. And yeah. So I, I've been at this a while. My my history with Tampa is wow. deep, and um, and and so I, I remember seeing. Um, you know Joey there and his whole family, and and he was excited. And he is, his business model was he was going to send beer to places like Philadelphia and Boston because he's like no one's going to drink this beer here, and I got to send it to the place the craft beer powerhouses. And I told him. You know, you got to build your local scene. You know, this place has maybe been starved for craft beer for mm-hmm. a long time, and I th- and and it really is ready for it. And do what you have to do to to put money in the bank for the first few months, but eventually, you know, get back here as quickly as you can. And I, you know, th- it's amazing how well this scene is developed. So let's talk about some of them. You know, you know, Mark, maybe you can talk us to us a little bit about you know the role Tampa Bay Brewing Company has played, and then I'll have uh, Sean talk about Dunedin.
1: So Tampa Bay Brewing Company started out as a homebrew shop uh, serving the homebrew community in the mid mid to late 90s. And that was that became kind of a hub of like many of us got our got our start in craft beer, just sample bottles, just you know everything that everybody can bring. And everybody just wanted to have a tasting. And it was a place where the homebrewers would go to get their homebrew supplies and then they'd stop for a few beers. And then eventually that grew to have a bar. And then that grew to have and it was all um, it was all the brainchild of John, Johnny Doble, who um, and his brother, um, who is now the head brewer and the co-owner at Tampa Bay Brewing Company, tells wonderful stories of the old days where um, they just bought kind of this rat infested hole and wanted to turn it into a homebrew shop. And they were in their late teens and, and they just had a dream. And their parents believed in that dream and that dream is now two locations um a production brewery and a, a brew pub and they're cranking out beer to the, all corners of florida Tempe brewing company though was the hub it was the one mm-hmm. the place where everybody who was into beer knew that that's where you would go to find out about beer to taste the latest beer to go and, and see what was happening in the very very young scene and eventually that grew to they opened a brew pub and they had eight of their own beers and eight or 10 of their own beers on tap at uh at the launch and that that facility is now cigar city cider and mead mm-hmm. uh since they've moved on yep. to a bigger facility but they were uh, the, the the story of Tempe brewing company and the story of Deneen brewery kind of moved in parallel where they were they both had very similar ideas and were built by community um and they didn't have any idea that they wanted to distribute i mean they were they at the time that the laws were what they were serving beer within those four walls and possibly beer to go in the, in the form of a glass growler was about what they, they were content with. And that's what the law allowed them to do, um, for a very long time. And so that's where now Tampa Bay brewing company sits. They're distributed throughout the state. They had, they do have the two locations and they do have, um, very experimental beers to to match with, um, the classics. I mean, they were light years ahead of, They did West Coast IPA and a very Mm -hmm. happy West Coast IPA was their flagship beer called Old Elephant Foot. And it was probably eight to 10 years ahead of Mm -hmm. West Coast IPA coming to Florida. So they drank it because they liked it, didn't sell a ton of it, but they liked it. So they kept it going. And that's, those are some of the the stories in how Tampa Bay Brewing Company emerged. Um, Now they've got high and uh, now they, they brew a little bit of everything, but back then they had, uh, kind of a core set that they stuck to, including a barley wine that they had. On yeah. Tap. Well, I was going to mention At the barley time. wine
0: that, that in my early days of crap beer drinking, I, you know, and in my younger days uh, when I wasn't calorie counting as much, you know, you get, <laughs> you get whatever that, I think they would serve you that massive chalice of like, you know, yep. 18 ounces of chilled glass oftentimes. And you just, just barley wine. And that was, you Moose know, killer. You was, yes, uh, in, a, in a lot of places that might not work, but in, wow. you know, the Florida heat actually was, that was a perfect beer.
1: It's yeah. very Florida that we serve barley wines yes. in the middle of summer uh, because yeah. we're also well, so well known for big imperial stouts, too, mm-hmm. which make no sense for the weather in the, any time of year here. So but that's very Florida. We, we yeah, I'm a Florida man. Sean, <laughs> uh,
0: talk to us about Dunedin and it's and kind of its role and its influence in in the craft beer scene and in, in the Gulf Coast
2: there. Well, I mean, you know, they, they are uh, you know their, their claim to fame uh, is the oldest microbrewery in Florida um and you know the i mean if you want to dig down into the specifics they're not technically the oldest brewery in Florida but by licenses they're they're a a brewery as opposed to a brew pub yep. so you know because there's a couple of brew pubs that have been around before but really there, i mean they were uh you know they they were the uh, the OG they were the the original one um with uh Mike senior uh and uh, he was one of the uh, one of the founding members of the guild um, back in in 1997. Uh, him and and uh, one one of the Dobles, I'm sure, probably I don't know if it was John. It must have been Johnny. Um, yeah. And then a few other, you know, uh, Ed Canty and a few other people. Um, but really, they you know they were and just as Tempe Brewing Company was sort of the the hub for everything on the Hillsborough side, including the homebrew of. So, the you know Den Denene Brewery was the place where everybody in Pinellas County went mm-hmm. um to have to, to have good craft beer. Of course, back then we called it micro micro microbrews. Yeah. Um, but it's also where the uh the homebrewers went because they and and same thing, they would bring their beers to sample and share and and uh you know they were really the sort of the the hub that I mean the Dunedin scene, you know, Dunedin's a tiny little place yep. in and of itself it as eight breweries within walking distance of each other mm-hmm. um and and Dunnean brewery was what made that possible uh you know they've got uh literally on the same on the same street in the same block about three or four spots down is another brewery a uh, Woodray. um across the the trail and down a little bit you have cuny uh, then across i mean so you've got all these you know all these ones really close to each other uh that can really look to Dunin brewery as um, as the, you know, the the hub for that. And of course, you know, then St. Pete, um, you know, followed years later. Uh, but you know, when, when you talk about not just Tampa Bay beer, but Florida beer, uh, Tampa Bay Brewing Company and Dunedin Brewery are, you know, are the two that really have stood the test of time. And, and, uh, and everybody kind of looks back to as the, you know, the, um, the granddaddies of them all. Mm-hmm.
0: And I'll have you to correct me if this is off, but it, you know, for me, it really seemed like the next era in in Florida, in Gulf Coast, Tampa Bay, craft beer was was Joey Redner and Cigar City, uh, and you know, you have kind of these OG brewers, you know, Sarasota Brewing Company, other ones who just kind of did the brew pub model that you know we've seen you know across the country. But Cigar City and Joey really wanted to do something different. And, you know, obviously the Redner family has a very colorful history. Joey is a is a character in himself. And I've known him and interviewed him, like I said, from from the earliest possible days when, you know, my dad and his dad would be in the tap room and just talking to each other and, you know, saying, yeah, I mean, yeah, my son had this crazy idea and I just had to give him part of this building. And we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. But I think within a couple of years, he's going to take over all of this building. And the old man knew what he was talking Fair about. Enough. So. So yeah. uh, so Mark, talk to us about sort of, you know, Cigar City, a little bit of its history, you know, the Redners and and how it has helped, you know, define, you know, Tampa Bay craft beer.
1: So Cigar City, you really can't talk about Cigar City, or you can't talk about Tampa without talking about Cigar City when you're talking historically, because you're absolutely right, Andy. Joey, and talking to Joey, it's either his humility or his sense of history, but he he really didn't get into it to change everything. He he got into it because he he didn't want to open a brewery. He wanted to work for the guy who opened a brewery. Right. And he'll, he'll say that to the day where his goal was not to be cigar city. His goal was to find that guy and help that guy, but nobody was coming along. And so really it was, um, it it was his sense. And his family has, has been in Tampa and and does have a a decent amount of money. So they lent him, they lent him the money to start cigar city and he, uh, and he started it up and they, they built that brewery on the back of an English brown porter and a seven and a half percent hoppy IPA, yeah. uh, which is hilarious to think of to me. Yep. But Highlight IPA, when they first brewed it, it was Wayne Wombles' dream beer. That was his mm-hmm. recipe that he thought, you know, if he could make anything, that's what he'd make. And he made a ton of it. And it, when it started off, it was super tiny. But I mean, I remember I traded beer back when Cigar City was opening in a There wasn't much a Growler or a highlight I couldn't get you. Yeah, I mean, Dark Lord, and and I mean Mm -hmm. the the stuff was ungettable Highlight could get it, and if it, and if they wouldn't do it for that, a growler Maduro would seal the deal. Yeah, and you know, drinking them now, I mean, Maduro has won so many awards, but. It's just the token brown ale. It's the brown mm-hmm. ale that's on the tap list um, that has stood the test of time. And so when, when Cigar City first opened on the back of those beers, they were expanding and people came to them. I mean, that was the thing was that Joey wanted to just grow with draft, but eventually they couldn't grow anymore with draft. So they moved to package and that had they found that package had its own issues, but they continued to grow because the demand was there. And it was because it was it's really a chicken and an egg discussion right uh, where the beer so great the people want the beer which one causes the other we don't know but they kind of all pu- pulled together and then cigar city continued to grow and then there was hunapu and mm-hmm. um, when hunapu's imperial stout came along Dark Lord Day was happening, Sexual Chocolate Day was happening, and so these big bottle release festivals were happening. And so Hunapu's Day started as a Friday night in the warehouse um, where there where there was a little bit of music and some tables set up, and you could just come and drink. And uh, it exploded from there. The next and every year it seemed to get exponentially bigger. Until it got to a, a tipping point, and people, the famous 2014 event happened where they didn't have enough beer and um, almost shut down Hunapu's Day. But Hunapu's mm-hmm. Day became part of the DNA of Cigar City, where even the, the staff of Cigar City got to try new beers with people coming in from all over the world, and that built the reputation of Tampa Bay, which built the reputation of and ultimately became one of the anchor events in Tampa Bay Beer Week, where you had the Florida Brewers Guild Fest on one Saturday, Hoonipoo's Day on the following Saturday. And at one point, I think there was four or five hundred events that happened between Mm -hmm. those, those two marker events at the height of Tampa Bay Beer Week before COVID. And so that's where that's Tampa building its reputation. And then one of the hallmarks of Cigar City that it doesn't get talked about enough is that Joey, as an employer, always always gauged his success on how successful his people were. Mm -hmm. So at one point you have a, uh, I have a picture of the staff of Cigar City in like year three. And and by year five, half of them had gone on to other ventures and started their own breweries or were head brewers somewhere else. And so the growth of the growth of Tampa beer really is attributed to the growth of Cigar City, Joey's mindset and their experimental qualities where they, they did change everything. I mean, they were a big part of, uh, the growler laws being changed, and the breweries bound, banding together with the help of the guild, getting those those archaic growler laws changed, that um, were able to kind of move the needle further. And so, really, Cigar City did blaze a trail for for lots and lots of folks.
0: So, Sean, I, you know, it's you know, I'm sure we could continue talking about the greatness of Joey Redner and Cigar City, but uh, you know, I think we'll probably want to get on to other topics. But one thing I wanted to get on to before we went too far um, is. It's hard to talk about Florida's beer scene without talking about Anheuser Busch, uh, and it has had a huge, huge impact on the state. Uh, and I know you represent the you know the interests of the smaller craft brewers, but can you just talk you know just sort of generally about what role has has AB played in that state and and helping to define? I mean, we've kind of tiptoed around some of these issues with bottle bills and things like that. Uh, what is the role of AB in the state of Florida, and how did that impact craft brewers and their development? Oh, wow
2: um i mean it's you know you, you go as far back as as prohibition um and when and when things you know after prohibition was repealed and you know breweries started popping up again um you know ab was a was a powerhouse uh, in florida um and then i mean you can you can really look to when um, you know and when we talk about bottle laws we talk about uh distribution we talk about but you and every one of those things you can point to oh and this is how ab was involved um and you know i'm talking about the bottle laws i mean one of the the you know the amazing pieces of history is you know why did we have these bottle laws that we you know why did we have these growler bills that that seem to make no sense seem to be completely arbitrary but it came down to um you know the florida legislature being so beholden uh to you know to, uh to the a B side of distribution and Miller came in and you know wanting to do stuff and then and then so we actually know we're going to go to Georgia instead after being promised a lot and so the uh Florida legislature said okay we're going to change our bottle size laws to exclude your seven ounce bottles from being distributed in Florida which at the time was was Miller's big number one seller and so it basically gave a B the entire state. I yeah. <laughs> said, so like, you know, here's, here's, this is yours to do with what you want. And so they they built on that. They built, they built Bush Garden. They mm-hmm. built, uh, you know, packaging plants. They built, you know, and they had an enormous amount of influence um, to really write and rewrite distribution law, which were still uh, mired in, um, and and you know where uh, distribution contracts are written to uh, to protect the distributors. Uh, as opposed to the Brewers, um, so I mean, there's a lot that can be said about about all of that. And also, you know, all that aside, when you're the only game in town, you know, from top to bottom and left to right, uh, that's all people then know. That's all they. And if it, so, for generations, um, people didn't know that there was other stuff available. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I mean, and we're still in a position where. Uh, we still have to educate not only the consumers, uh, but the retailers and and the distributors and the uh, and the legislators about what the difference between locally produced craft beer uh, and the big macro um, you know, producers are. Uh, that they don't they don't understand the language, they don't understand the concepts, uh, and so it's so baked into the DNA of of Florida. Uh, that it's a, um, even though I would say that their direct influence uh, is diminished considerably, mm-hmm. uh, the legacy of that is, um, you know, is still very strong.
0: We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, and we'll be right back with the lightning round. Stop living vicariously through other people's social media posts and get out and make some memories of your own. Join Pub Culture Beercations for one of our upcoming tours and start exploring the world one pint at a time with us. Visit pubculturebeercations.com for more information. Want more beer for your ears? The new All About Beer podcast, hosted by M. Sauter and Don Tess, takes a deep, engaging dive into the hottest topics in beer. Do you need to know what the heck a cold IPA is? Check out the first episode wherever you get your pods. New episodes drop every other Thursday. And now, back to Beer Travelers. Okay, we're back, and we're now going to start into the rapid fire lightning round. These are just sort of quick questions, off the cuff answers, first things that come to your mind. And uh, we'll start with Mark here. And I, it's hard for me here with both Tampa and St. Pete to try to decide whether or not we should split them up or not. But I think we're just going to we're just going to go head to head. We're going to see how you know whether or not you guys are willing to you know, just fight for the hometown team or, or give some plaudits to those across the bridge. So let's find out. Um, so Mark, let's start. You, what are the top three local breweries for ipas hopheads for hayes
1: okay um sorry sean i'm gonna i'm gonna tread on you here um the for hayes the the i you gotta start with hayes i gotta start with magnanimous brewing that is in in tampa uh, but um from there i have to cross the bridge because i think green bench uh sunshine city ipa is a personal favorite of mine and it's not in my my grocery store anymore and i'm pissed about it oh uh, no because that, Well, I live far enough north where anyway, um, and then I think one of the um, uncharted or unsung IPA breweries is Escape Brewing in Trinity, this little brewery that makes a beer called the Other West Coast that is just freaking phenomenal. Um, And I'm, I'm a West Coast guy more than a hazy guy, but Green Bench and Magnanimous can definitely compete in the hazy category as well.
0: I know we got just a quick uh, Green Bench reference earlier, but it's it's kind of remarkable if we were to talk about like maybe almost a fourth wave of crappers or a third wave. That's going to be you know Chris Johnson and what is happening over there. So I mentioned we'll get to talk about it a little bit more. But let's ask the same question to you, Sean. I know that you are the. You know the the grown up among you know many many uh, family members and in, in, in this may not be the world's easiest gig for you here, uh, but we'll we'll hopefully <laughs> hopefully spread the love around here. You know what are the three t- you know top local brewer- or what are three g- good local breweries, great local breweries for for IPAs in your opinion?
2: Uh, I mean, I, I I have to you know agree with with Mark and actually both two of Marks I have to agree with because the um, Sunshine City is is probably one that I have in my fridge more often than than any. Um and the the Escape Other West Coast, uh I don't see it as often as I would like. But if I, anytime I see it on draft, I grab that for sure. Uh, so I'll cross the bridge. <laughs> and uh I will say that um I know technically it's an APA, but uh, Reef Donkey uh is a you know um, from Tampa Brewing Company um is a is a great one. Um if you're looking for haze uh, it's it's hard to go wrong with Magnanimous. Um, not, not, not I mean, we're just gonna pile on the same, the same breweries. Both <laughs> um, let's see who. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff out there. I, I would say, uh, actually, a uh, Seventh Son, uh, has um, um uh, why am I dr- Is it Headbanger? Is that right? Did I get the, the Headbanger's way?
1: the double IPA?
2: The double IPA. Yeah, I mean, that's a really yeah. good one, too. Control Freak, the pale ale. Yes. control yeah. freak is awesome too. Trying to remember all the breweries and all their beer names is becoming yeah. more and more challenging as I get older.
0: Yes, well, I think it's it's also a testament to the local beer scene that you know there are so many great options. That's true. That's um, true. So now that we're done with IPA, let's head to the more important category of lager. Uh, and you know, Mark, tell me what are the top three brewers for lager?
1: So uh, sorry, Sean, I'm gonna, I, I, but I'm gonna take. We're uh, gonna do beer. it again. I know it. Yeah. Berry house. Uh, I mean, you say lager in Tampa Bay anymore and Berry house is the first brewery that comes to mind. I had them on the, on my podcast a couple months ago. And first of all, they're just amazing people as are most in the beer scene, but they're mm-hmm. just phenomenal folks. And, um, the, the brewers genealogy goes back I think four or five generations in lager brewing. And so he's, he's got, uh, he just released a, a beer in tribute to his great, great, great-grandfather um, that was a brewer, a lager brewer in Michigan, uh, first generation from from the old country. And so Berry House is just absolutely killing it with loggers right now. Um, and then from there, uh, I'm going to, I hate to, I hate to be a broken record, but um, uh, Magnanimous also makes amazing lagers. Um, their Czech Pills is one of my favorites and is in my fridge right now. And then a dark horse for lager um, that most people don't expect. I find angry chairs, uh, check pills is also uh, is also really really fantastic. And when they they moved into the new facility, uh, one of the big things they put were four lagering tanks. So they're not going to increase stout production, which is what they're known for. They're increasing lager production.
2: Yeah, Sean, how about you? Where do you go for? Um, lager? Well, I mean, I'll I'll start on this side of the bay, uh, but but also go back to green um Yeah. Yeah, you know, th- he has done some incredible stuff with, with loggers there. Um, you know, there's a reason that uh they do collabs with Bierstadt. There's mm-hmm. a reason that and they do um and but you know, I you just you can't talk about loggers in Tampa Bay without talking about Berry House. Uh they are absolutely killing it um with everything uh everything that they do uh over there. Um gosh, let's see. I mean that's those are probably <clears throat> those would probably be un- if I'm going to pick one from each side of the bay. That's that's what that's what I'm going right. to go green, uh, you know, Green Bench and, and Berry House. Sean, we'll let
0: you get in here and get a chance to go first so you can scoop Mark. Um, can't have him taking all this stuff first. Uh, right. Where are the top three breweries for for sour or mixed fermentation beer. If somebody wants something a
2: little bit more funky. Uh, again, you know, we're, we're we're broken record. Eight, I mean, green, you know, it's it's hard to eventually greener. i'm going to start banning these people from from this podcast but i but i but i, I having been say, there okay, i get it i get it yeah it's uh you know um i would say uh let's see who else um there, I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of great stuff around um
1: green bench has an entire facility devoted to their sours mm-hmm. so, i mean it's hard right
0: to, so it's yeah it's, it's hard, hard, hard not to them. <laughs> yeah so I, I i've been there i get it i get it
2: yeah <laughs> Um I, I don't know, Mark. What what do you think? Th-
1: this is a tough one because Green Bench was the first on my list as well. And after that, I think Calusa, uh, in Sarasota is doing some great mixed yeah. and if, some sour Yeah, stuff. Th- th- yeah um, all
2: the way down to Sarasota. Yeah, that's <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, that's that's a good call. That,
1: th- yeah, and there's there's just I mean, we're Floridians and we're known for Florida vices. Mm-hmm. So I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of kettle sour going on. Um, True. I would say it's going to be controversial but I think but Arcane is making some great sour beers in Largo. Mm-hmm. Um they're not always mixed. They're not always true sours and they're they they say they say sometimes they're more of a candy shop than a brewery because of all the lactose and yeah. adjuncts that they right. use but um I think that when that they hit a lot of the uh they hit a lot of the sour stuff um and that's that's just a tough one.
0: Sean uh when we get into Barrel aged beers and stouts. I know there are some some solid players here, but who do, who do you recommend for for barrel aged beer or stouts?
2: Um, I will. You know, I'm going to start with uh, something that we haven't talked about, and actually could really can, competes in any of the categories. Uh, Corporate Ladder. Um, they're down, and are, are they are they technically Ruskin? I can't remember what the actual name of the town that they're in. Palmetto um, is it? Is it so? They're they're Hillsborough County, right? or or they're right on the yes. right on the line because Oh, energy. so right over Bar-bar-s. right over from
0: right over from Bradenton
2: basically. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. To the um, east of there, to the east mm-hmm. of Bradenton. Yeah, I mean they they've got great beers across the board. Um but the, the some of the stuff that they've done with barrels have been really fun. Um What are some other great I mean obviously, you know, Cigar City has good stuff across the board to Coppertail. Um
0: yeah, we haven't talked to, about Copper Tail much yet. Tell me about Copper Tail.
2: I mean, every, all all their beers are great. Right? Like, I mean, they, you know, they've got great loggers, they've got great IPAs, they've got great sours. Um, their food is great at the you know in their restaurant. Uh, so, I mean, they're really. I, I've never had anything from there that wasn't really really good. Um, I was, and I, I, mean, Free is actually another uh, IPA that I would um, get fairly because its ABV is a little lower um which you know so you're not you can have more than one and uh and still be functional their their lager is really good um and their porter is really good i know we porters don't get enough love but uh their their nice when porter is uh is really quite tasty
0: mark how about for you for for barrel aged or stout beer
1: uh, i'm gonna say that one of the breweries that's doing really really exciting stuff now is uh, cycle in st mm-hmm. pete Um, He's only brewing, uh, well, he's got an entire facility devoted to stouts, and he's doing kind of the same thing that Side Project and a lot of the national renowned breweries are doing with beers, barrels, and time, where uh, he's actually going to two, three, and I think four or five years uh, in barrels, and then releasing those and letting Mm -hmm. people see um, what's going on with the barrels there. Uh, And he's always got, and he, he was controversial for a while, and he's brewing to meet demand. And so he's actually he usually has several batches of beer, of barrel-aged beer, on available at the brewery at all times, which is really kind of cool. Um, after that, I'm gonna, you know, mm, you're gonna start, but you are need to start banning some of these and saying we can't say them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna go angry chair because their barrel program is firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. Um, their adjunct, you know, they adjunct them just as much and listening to those guys talk, like when they talked at the guild, um, the guild conference, where they're like, yeah, we've got these great beer and these great barrels. And then we have to figure out what freaking adjuncts, you know, pistachios or walnuts or, yeah. you know, m- what are we going to put in them to make them sweeter? So, uh, but I mean, their barrel project is, is just, is kicking ass right now. Um, and then after that, a lot of the breweries that were already mentioned, um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think I'm trying to give love to some of the breweries that we haven't mentioned. Right. uh, And there and, you know, we keep the topics that you talk about. We keep coming back to the. Well,
0: we can we can switch gears and do it this way. So you have friends coming in from out of town and, you know, where's the first place you want to take them? And maybe someplace you haven't already. You can't just say Cigar City. We can't talk about places we've named. Where you know, okay, where's okay. one place that you think uh maybe they haven't heard of? They've heard the big names, they're beer people, but where where do you want to take them that is a place that's a little bit special that we maybe haven't talked
2: as much about? My my first one will be Bestet. Um it's a really small uh new They actually opened during COVID. Uh they're just on the border of Ivor City, like across the street from Coppertail, just about and next to IKEA. Um, real small. Uh and it's really just a two guy shop um and they're making some really great beers so they're making uh some are something like traditional egyptian styles the whole co- their whole concept and theme is all you know, ancient egypt and uh, e- uh, egypt mythology um they're uh sort of you know just across the board their beers are are really good uh one of my favorites is one that they do uh, actually made with purple yams uh and it's this really pretty purple color it's got a little bit of sweetness a little bit of tartness to it and it's uh like four four percent or something mm-hmm. like that it's really uh it's, it's really nice so that's a fun uh new and different place that um that i would definitely take someone to and mark how about you i, I see you contemplating
0: pondering
2: trying to come up with
0: a with a solution yeah. trying not to say cigar city or green no. uh
1: i'm i'm gonna say uh i'm gonna say arcane I mean, I, I said them before, but I, I think that they're they're worth talking about because um, they are as much as they get it, they get attention for their um, hype beers and their sours and their candy candy beers, but they make multi styles well. They make scotch. They make a great scotch mm-hmm. um, ale. Yeah. They make great. They're they make a mango habanero Berliner vice That's outstanding that's one of my favorites they make uh they do hoppy well they do ipas double ipas uh hazy ipas they do carrot they also do carrot cake beers and mm. you know, jo- chocolate cake beers but they do um they do s- two style like they make a great hefeweizen called hooked on phenolics mm-hmm. um they do it's <laughs> a great name Yes. And, and their names are, are half the fun, but they do what they do. They do it really well. And they're also, I'm going to cheat and go um, throw a stone from there and go to rat brewing. Who I, that's, the, that's
2: what I was going to say next. Was one rap. of the breweries
1: yeah. who um, helped them in Westbrook did uh, helped research the resurgence of Goza in mm-hmm. the U S they were some of the first mm-hmm. Goza brewers and you know, Greg Rap, rest his soul, uh founded the brewery and his family keeps it going but they make traditional styles and they make some experimental styles very very well and actually the guys from arcane came from rap and trained and and brewed there and so they're they're very rap is very much an unsung hero of the tampa bay scene and they're just not getting bigger they're just still really small
2: yeah yeah and then i'll i mean talking about traditional styles i'll piggyback up that and and hop over to dunedin and talk about woodwright uh which is the one that's just right you know a a Not even a stone's throw from Dunedin Brewery, Um, traditional styles, very small, one of the coolest little tasting rooms you'll ever see uh, and really good uh, solid beers across the board, all traditional, you know, German, Austrian, uh, you know, just really, um, really good stuff. This has not
0: been necessarily the greatest time for beer bars. You know, all these tap rooms opening up have kind of caused uh, some identity crises uh, among beer bars. But you know, Mark, if you were to pick uh, one beer bar in the Tampa Bay area to send folks to where would you
1: where would you select? The independent and um, the independent in Seminole Heights she has uh, Ce pont on at all pretty much all times um, and they build a great local, a great Belgian, a great uh, well-rounded tap list, um, and actually, and I don't know if you'd call him a beer bar anymore because he has a brewery, but Mr. Dunderbox mm-hmm. um, was one of the OGs of the Tampa Bay beer yeah. scene, and he, uh, his tap list, how he gets half the drafts that he does are just just unfathomable. So I mean, those are those are really the two, and you're asking for one, and I've given you two of the last questions, so I I apologize. I'll
2: take I'll take up. two, did it and- too and- though. And and Sean, <laughs> Sean so how about I, I will, uh, um, I, on because I, I, mean, I, I absolutely can't argue with either one of those, uh, over on the Hillsborough side in, uh, in Pinellas County in, in St. Pete, um, Ale and the Witch. Um, yep. Brett opened up uh, as a craft beer bar, he's got to be 10 years now, mm-hmm. um, or, so. or give or take, uh, and is consistently uh, has an incredible tap list, great spot, uh, live music all the time never charges the cover for live music um his his draft is all american craft beer um so it's uh it's a great spot um and uh you know great great ownership you're just good good all the way around so if 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 you're in saint pete and want to go to a a beer bar that's the one to go to
0: and i know i had a couple other categories for you but we'll we'll throw one out there if you're going to go to a cocktail place sean where where do you recommend folks go to
2: uh, so in St. Pete, I'm going to the uh, whiskey exchange. Um, it's a, you know, it, it's a cool place. They've got a cool little gimmick with the, you know, with the stock ticker, but it actually has the, uh, the prices of some of the different liquors they've got there that fluctuate up and down based mm-hmm. on how people are buying them. It's kind of fun. Uh, they do a, um, $5, uh, uh, old fashioned on, on Tuesdays, <laughs> but they've got a, they've got a really incredible. Uh, uh, whiskey book, and you know, bourbon list, um, also lots of great uh, of other spirits, rums and uh, tequilas and that kind of stuff. Uh, and their cocktails are are really, really good. so that's that's my go-to uh at, at least in in St. Pete. Mark, how about yourself?
1: Um, I'm gonna say I had one and I think I'm gonna I'm gonna audible because recently, go. a couple times we've been to Santo's uh, drinkery which is at the top floor of Casa Santo Stefano, which is owned by the Columbia Restaurant Group, um, who has the oldest restaurant in Florida, but they mm-hmm. built a Sicilian themed restaurant and as an homage to the Sicilian people who built Ybor City in that area of Tampa. And on the top floor while you're waiting for your table, Um, Or while you're just having a drink, they have a great cocktail list and you can get a cigar because you're outdoors, you can get a cigar to go with any of the any of the drinks that they have and they'll do a a beautiful old fashioned with whatever bourbon and because they are the Columbia they do get some of the harder to find bourbons Mm -hmm. I mean, in Florida Eagle rare and some of the higher end Sazerac whiskeys are harder to find anymore. Um but they usually have them at Santa's drinkery and they just the ambiance looking over ebor city from the the second floor of this restaurant um with the the cocktails and the the cigars is is hard to beat
0: Sean what's a what's a brewery that's flying under the radar that or you know maybe doesn't get as much of attention as it should or deserves a second look
2: um well I already said bestette I think that's one of them um. That's a good question. Um, I think um, in in I'll, I'll stick to to, to my county. Uh, Pinellas, Pinellas Ale Works uh, in in downtown St. Pete um, is uh you know it's not it's not super big, but they consistently make really good beers, all styles, um, and you know they're just a small place. Uh, you know just around the corner from. A lot of the other better-known ones, but I think it's one that um, that that you know deserves a little more love. Mark, how about you?
1: I, I I start to go up and down the highways and think about the different breweries uh, along the major thoroughfares. Um, I have to throw out they don't get enough love. Um, Mr. Dunderbox, um, just the the amount of beer and how hard he's pushed the beer scene, and you've never. He used to be the only reason to go to university mall yeah was mr yep. dunderback's beer bar but then he when he opened the brewery and uh, you've never met someone who is harder on himself and harder on a beer and judging beers um and so the his hefeweizen is as true to style as it comes his um he makes a sour that's done with the Solera method. And um, then if you're, if you're lucky, it might be available, but he, he's one that, that definitely is a, is an experience um, it's in a German market and he has a, the German beer hall feel. Um, a, and it's just kind of kitschy and eclectic, but his draft list is 35, 40 drafts, something like that. And, and yeah. there's always a half of on. There's always more than a few loggers. There's locals, there's nationals, there's regionals. There's an, inter- I mean, his, he is, part beer bar, part brewery, and just all the way amazing.
0: This is a question that has gotten uh, some mixed responses over the year, over the last couple months or so. And, and we'll see if Sean can answer it. I'll let, I'll ask Mark first, Uh, you know, Sean's in a bit of a predicament with his search, his circumstance, but we'll ask it anyways. Um, You think there, I think one of the valuable things about writing about travel and, and tourism and things like this is not only, you know, talking about places that are doing a really great job, but places that maybe, I, either people should avoid, you know, shouldn't you know, shouldn't spend time, or really need to kind of step things up. You know, are there any places, Mark, that you would say uh, have been slacking at all? Have been, you know, <laughs> maybe need to, you know, step things up.
1: That's that is a controversial one. I can see how that would be controversial.
0: Yeah, um, I, I, I get one of two responses. I either get hell yes, I've got a list of twenty five names, and I'm going to go through them right now, or I get whoa, I don't, I don't know about this one.
1: There's. I'll just I'll say this and I think Sean will Sean will agree with me because I think we've had conversations around this. There, there are breweries that are that are and 90%, you know, 90% of craft beer is asshole free, right? Or 90, 98, whatever the number was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think after COVID is more like 90 or 92. But the, <laughs> every brewery in the Tampa Bay area are upstanding members of the community, are inclusive. And the ones who don't play well in the sandbox, um, just because you have big signs everywhere um, doesn't mean that you're necessarily part of that that overall community. And it's it's. I don't want to I don't want to name names because <laughs> I don't like pointing fingers because I, I I don't feel like I'm I'm necessarily one to judge. But um, the one the breweries who are you could see it in festivals and you can see it everywhere. Um, whenever everybody gets together, the the people who are um, inclusive and inviting they're all there and the the people who disinclude themselves are the ones that that are you can it's it's apparent from the industry from sitting in in at a brewery it's like well why is why is that a different crowd why why do those people not hang out at events why and it's it's because this is the most welcoming beer community I've ever been a part of. I mean, I've, I've lived at different spots and tried to be part of a, a, a started writing about beer in different spots and there. Tampa Bay is just, I, I call it home because it is the most inviting, inclusive um, scene I could imagine. And it's where the people who choose not to be involved in that scene, that's, it's, it's apparent.
0: That is a very diplomatic answer. It didn't give me any information whatsoever, except to, to look around for signage. But, I award uh,
1: you no points. <laughs> it, so, it sounds
0: like if I if I ask around, I'm probably going to be told, which has been my experience there. You you talk to yeah. folks locally, and they'll be more than happy to tell you tell you what's what. Um, Sean, I would give you a stab at this one, but I'm not sure you want to touch it.
2: So uh, what I, what I will say, because I, I mean I agree with Mark, and obviously we're we're both in situations where we you know you know probably. One on one over a beer might might you know be willing to give you a, a name or two. Sure. What I will say is this: uh, in addressing breweries and 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 any business really, um, you know, if you find yourself <clears throat> under scrutiny or under uh, people making comments about you or your brand or whatever um, that are not favorable, before you just retaliate and strike back. Um, stop and think about what it is that's being said, look, really look to see if there's merit to what's being said, peel away any, you know, uh, you know, things that might, might be over the top or, and look at the core of what's being said about you and your brand. And if there is merit to that, admit it and address it Mm -hmm. because it's not going to go away. Uh, what I would say to consumers is, when people say, "Oh, you know, what are you know? I'm new to the area. What are some? What are the breweries I should visit? What are the ones I shouldn't visit? Um, like, what kind of what kind of people are they? What kind of businesses do they run? Look at how they conduct themselves. Look at how they conduct themselves on social media. Um, look how they how they conduct themselves uh, in their tap rooms. Um, I would say visit everybody at least once or twice to get a vibe for what. Uh, if you don't feel welcome there. Um, that's, that's a problem. Um, yep. you should, and anybody and everybody should be able to walk into any tap room and feel welcome there. I would say the vast majority of the tap rooms, uh, are that way, but it's easy for me to say as a straight white guy, yeah. <laughs> So Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I recognize, and I think most people recognize that there's still a lot of work to be done in that, in that arena, not to venture too far off topic, but I think that it's a place that all, all the businesses, particularly in the breweries need to look at and see how can I make my place the most inviting and welcome place to as many people as I possibly can. And even for the most cynical reason of that's how you get more customers. And that's how you make more money is by having a broader customer base. But if, if you're being called out for something, take a look at it and see if there's merit to it. Talk to your friends, talk to you saying, you know, this is being said, what do you think about that? And don't just go with, well, I know I'm not that way I yeah. know I'm right I'm they're just being sensitive or they're just too whatever um you know pay, pay attention to and and, and again as consumer that you know, there are there are lots of breweries that need to work on one aspect or another uh, and they should look at themselves and figure out what those things are
0: so we'll leave on on a bit of, more of a high note here uh if, if folks are coming into town if your beer lovers coming in town and want a great meal where would you recommend going Sean
2: oh. I mean, there's so many good restaurants, and um, yes, the problem you can only name one, right? <laughs> I know, um, it's not fair. Not I pulling mean, punches. Not, well. I make the rules. It's not fair. I promise. <laughs> yeah. Um. I want to. I want to see. I'd want to go some. <clears throat> I want to take them to a place that also has a good beer selection. Um. So I'm not going to go fancy. I'm going to go a place that has great sandwiches and burgers and all that in st p that also has a great uh tap list uh and it's called the wheelhouse uh and it's um got a great great tap list of lots and lots of great florida beers and their food is really good great burgers great uh chicken sandwiches wings all that kind of stuff um that would be a fun and i'd also take into the cajun cafe okay Okay, Mark, your turn.
1: Look, look at you do, going <laughs> scorched earth, trying to make sure that I don't get Cajun Cafe. No, that's um, I, I. I would Cajun Cafe is a dear friend, and and they he's been loved in the beer community, and he serves great yeah, beer. But sure. if we're going the Tampa side, I'm going to stick to my side, and thank you for not taking my favorite, which is the Stein and Vine uh, in Brandon. Mm-hmm. He is. I, I mean, I'm biased. I launched my second book there, um, but he is a tremendous supporter of craft beer. Um, he has one of the best capitalists. I would say in the state on any given mm-hmm. day. Um, and he is, his food is fantastic. He has a rotating, he has a two page menu, one page rotates and one page is static. So he posts his menu every day at 1130 before they open at noon. And that's the menu for the day. And it changes every single day. Um, and his tap it's list so good. is when you go in there on a Monday, uh, most Mondays you go in and the bar is entirely brewery reps, mm-hmm. um, because that's where they stop on their route and they, that's where they hang out. And, um, it's it's just phenomenal the food the atmosphere the people uh the draft lists it's it's a, the whole package and the beauty of it is looking at the outside his sign all it says is pub pub <laughs> that's it very unassuming yeah and you walk in and you see it's this mecca of craft beer and and great food yeah 100 percent.
0: mark and sean i want to thank you both for joining me today let's find out uh mark tell us where people can find you online or where you know you know promote yourself here.
1: <laughs> okay. I'm uh, I write for Florida Beer News and various other um various other outlets in in my freelance career. I just had an article published with craftbeer.com. I write for but Florida Beer News is my main outlet. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, but I also have a podcast called The Beerwise Podcast where I uh, interview brewers and talk to some of the movers and shakers uh, I'm around the country, but it's funny how most are focused in Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a homer that way. What can I say? But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's me. And uh, this has been a great time, Andy. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun.
0: And Sean, how about yourself? Where can folks find you and, and the guild?
2: Uh, so for my, my personal, I don't do Twitter anymore, but uh, I do have uh, Instagram uh, beer for the daddy. Uh, that's my, uh, the old handle uh, still still going strong on Instagram. Um And on Facebook, you can find me, just look up my name, but also uh, any stuff going on with the Florida Brewers Guild, um, both on Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, follow our web page. And that's going to be all the up-to-date stuff on uh, everything from our festivals to our legislative pushes uh, and everything else like that that we've got going on.
0: Sean, Mark, I will let you guys know when I'm in town next. I can't please wait do. to get back Absolutely. there and explore the Tampa and St. Pete beer scenes. So much has changed and it just, it's all good and I can't wait to you know see where it goes from here.
1: Sounds good. Cheers, Andy. Thanks. Thanks, sir.
0: Thanks for listening to the Beer Travelers podcast. If you have a suggestion for a town we should visit next, please drop us a line at podcast at allaboutbeer.com. Please give our podcast a review wherever you listen. It really helps folks find out about us. And if you like the episode, tell a friend and post on your socials. Interested in learning more about connecting with an engaged, energetic, and interested audience of curious beer consumers and brewers? We have many different advertising opportunities, including through our podcasts, website, newsletter, and social media channels. For more information, please contact us at podcast at allaboutbeer.com. Stop living vicariously through other people's social media posts and get out and make some memories of your own. Join Pub Culture Beer-cations, for one of our upcoming tours, and start exploring the world one pint at a time with us. Visit pubculturebeercations.com for more information. All About Beer is back, and we're asking for your support to help provide the independent beer media this rich and colorful industry deserves. Visit our website, allaboutbeer.com, where we're frequently posting new content. And please consider throwing us a few bucks at patreon.com allaboutbeer. We have low-cost memberships for individuals and small and large companies alike. Every dollar goes to help produce new articles and podcasts.